All right, The Dead. Yeah, The Dead is it's a hard story to talk about because I agree with that. Uh, yeah, I mean, you were saying, yeah, it, it, it's 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 hard to dissect. I guess it's hard to feel up to. Um, it's hard to feel up to dissecting it. Um, like some of the some of the like you know uh, more middle of the road stories in the collection are easier to talk about because hmm. um, they're easy to put your hand around. And sprawling, exactly. Yeah. And there's, there's, you want to avoid the temptation of making things too explicit that are like, like, like the, the, you know, the effect is supposed to be, you know, touching on them lightly. Um, and yeah, there, there, you, you, you don't want to ruin that by kind of, by dissecting it, by, by bringing too much out, um, making it almost mechanical. Um, so yeah, that's our that's a warning. That's a throat clearing warning. Um, yeah, this is this is the kind of a capper, I guess. <laughs> the, uh, a, a, a turning point in Joyce's writing. I I like how it is the ending of the book because it's not too stark yeah. in the emotions, like you were just saying about the light touches. It's not totally depressing. It's not lighthearted yeah. totally, and it's not. Um, any of the overwhelming emotions that some of the shorter stories had attached to them. Uh, yeah, it's more ambiguous or ambivalent and kind of um, ranging, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, it's ranging and it's a bit deceptive um, in, in, in yeah, how it definitely. starts off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's some ways where it's like, because um, this was written after, as we talked about, uh, this is written after the other, other most of the other stories, um, but yeah, there's some ways where it's like just a maybe like a more mature. Um, certainly, his opinion on uh, Ireland has mellowed, um, as opposed to some of like the boarding house or some of those stories <clears throat> that are uh, kind of kind of jaundiced. Yeah, here Ireland is, um, yeah, it's just like at least in this story, his opinion has kind of mellowed out. Um, not so close to his exile. Um, yeah, do you just want to get into this? Yes. Okay. Content. I would say the setting is a house in the country, um, at where these two older sisters live who teach music and they have a niece that lives with them and she teaches music as well. Well, it isn't. It isn't exactly the the country, like Galway, Galway or somewhere. Um, True. I guess maybe it's like the suburbs ish. It says Usher's Island. I didn't look that up. A gone house on oh, Usher's, Usher's Island. Island was. Um, it's just along the Liffey. It was along River Liffey. Okay. So it was still in the city. It's certainly yeah. Um, okay. I, I've, Certainly, it's not an isolated house because they are able to go to their uh, hotels and everything, but they have to take a cab to right. get there. So it's not like downtown. Yeah. Um, so maybe, yeah, yeah maybe um, I shouldn't say country. It's by house. Phoenix Park, uh, um, which is you know one of the one of the big or Dublinish places. Okay. So these these two ladies, the Miss Morkins, close enough to Trinity College, which we've run into a few times already. Okay. 
Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you're good. That's that's a good correction. All right, so the two ladies, they're known as Miss Morkins. Uh, their names are Miss Kate and Miss Julia, and they hold an annual dance slash recital. And a lot of their friends, however tenuous, seem to come to this every year. And um, that's where we are. And this is near Christmas time. I don't know what to do. I'm not certain if it's for Christmas or not, but I, I got the feeling of sort of a festive, you know, spirit in the air. It's around that time. Of uh, well, yeah, they're de- I mean, like when when um, Gabriel's trying to, to put money in Lou's hand, he talks about Christmas. I thought it was uh, a little bit after New Year's. Um, because there is that mention of um, <clears throat> Freddie Malin's mom having him take the temperance pledge on New Year's. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like, like uh, you know, sometime within the the you know twelve nights, I guess. All right, so let's meet the main character, Gabriel, shall we? Yeah. Gabriel is their nephew. Like 40. He's probably around 40. He's older, but not old. Um, yeah. There is probably a description I should have underlined in red, but um, with his age. But so he shows up with his wife. Uh, and, you know, he's the guy who, from whose perspective we see a lot of this stuff going forward after we're introduced yeah. to the sisters and everything. Yeah, there's that, that interesting um, kind of glancing way that Joyce likes to start a lot of these stories where he starts with, like, a uh, another character. He starts with Lily, the caretaker's daughter. Um, yeah, he'll, he'll often start with, like, start at the top, not with, you know, call me Ishmael or something, uh, with his main character, his main speaker, or his main, you know, uh, uh, narrator. Uh, or I guess, I mean... Just the main characters. Um, not to say Lily is a non-main character, but that she's you know not yeah real. <laughs> yeah. She, she Lily is the housekeeper, and she opens the door, uh, and we're sort of ushered into the the yeah. beginnings of this this party uh, with with the people coming in and changing their cloaks and going upstairs and powdering their noses and everything. It's a nice hustle and right. bustle, you know. You really feel like you're in the middle of it. And finally, they're waiting yeah. for these two people specifically uh, with anxiety. The first one is Gabriel, mm-hmm. who is a uh, what would you say, sort of a uh, a, male. A, a male with with. With with outstanding well, I mean, character is, and probity. Yeah, so he's like the only male um, among the sisters or uh, Gabriel's uh, niece. Um, so yeah, he's the one who who's got to carve the meat. Um, yeah, uh, he is a teacher and writes on the side. Um, there's there's. Not like a, a huge sense of passion, I guess. Mm. Not like a maniac for for one thing or another. He, he um, is willing to put. I, I, I remember the looking at like his first lines of dialogue. And they're all like you know stale, trite cliches. Um, he's you know willing to put up with kind of like small talk and pleasantries. And there's yeah. Um, also, if you remember in A Little Cloud, where the character, uh, is, uh, he, yeah, he's coded as, as, as diffident, or, or he, yeah, he's characterized as, as, as incredibly diffident. Um, 
and like blushes and colors easily. That kind of happens to Gabriel too. Mm-hmm. Um, he like says a thing that makes Lily say something about like guys being, you know, all, all about, about the little sweet nothings and what they can get out of you, the palaver and what they can get out of you. Um, which is kind of like a maybe cynical or, or, or biting response. Not like the most, it's a couple times through, through the stories where it seemed like, like people were responding like a little bit too much to what seems like a pretty innocuous thing to say. Right. Um, but yeah, maybe that like bitterness. Um, and yeah, he blushes at the fact that he had made her say that and it ruins his mood for a second. Um, but yeah, like, um, not for long. He just has to like wait out these little puffs of, uh, emotion or puffs of like agitation. Uh, a few times we just see him like reminded of something or put through something where he just, yeah, he gets agitated and then just kind of like waits it out. <laughs> um, he doesn't give vent to his frustrations. He, uh, Hmm. Like in that conversation with Miss Ivor. He gives vent um, to them in his head. Yeah. Yeah. And, um. But that's, yeah, that's all. And yeah, he seems to take what people say very seriously and kind of deeply. You know, he doesn't just. Yeah. He doesn't just interact with you on a superficial level um, without trying to figure out what's going on with you mm-hmm. and, and how it relates to him. And he kind of takes things personally. Um, yeah. It seems like when. Maybe he shouldn't be doing that. Uh, you know, yeah, this is not like a jovial party for him. It almost feels. <clears throat> yeah, because he. I was going to say uh, he yeah, wants to be away. He mentions a few times yeah, desiring to go on a walk. Yeah, uh, which yeah, he'd he, rather be outside in the park or something. Yeah, which reminded me of a couple other stories. Um, yeah, where the characters like to go on walks and plenty of parties I've been forced to be with. Yeah. <laughs> um, they are also waiting for another guy named Freddie Mullins. Okay, this is a more happy-go-lucky guy. Freddie and or Teddy. But they're worried that he's going to show up screwed, right. meaning drunk. And um, <laughs> so, anyway, the ants are waiting for Freddie and yeah, Gabriel. Yeah, we we we, we, <laughs> we were set up. It's almost like an anti-Chekhov's gun because, like, we're set up. Oh, Freddie Malins, he's the alcoholic. Something shitty's going to happen. It's like he just shows up and he's like. Fine. Yeah, he's fine. He is a bit drunk, and he's he's like, but he's friendly. He's a little bit drunk, but he's just like friendly, and he like claps too long. <laughs> <laughs> like somebody sings, that he like claps too long, yeah. or he's like a little bit too solicitous. Um, if anything, he's like a better. You'd rather have him at your dinner party. Oh, totally. Um, so there's there's something. Um, Joyce loves to use, and we'll, we'll run into it certainly in Ulysses. The, the kind of like bathos, bathos. The kind of like um, underwhelming uh, satisfaction of your expectations. Mm, um, so yeah, Freddie's just like there, and like we hear that he's gonna go dry out uh, with the monks. Some uh, <laughs> place I forget the name of. Yeah, uh, but yeah, he seems fine. So I want like, to read. Uh, not like Grace, especially <laughs> w- after Grace, where that story where. Uh, he, uh, the main character is getting drunk and it's not such a lovely part of an evening. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we're set up to be more anxious. True. True. I wanted to read a line that shows how, how, um, 
how thoughtfully he had engaged the the Lily uh, housekeeper, where he says he had yeah. taken up a wrong tone. Oh. His whole speech was a mistake from first to last, an utter failure. Right. <laughs> He's um, also a bit yeah, of a snob. He, he drags. Sorry. No, you can go ahead. I was going to say he's also a bit of a snob, this dude, uh, Gabriel. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that uh, uh, is also true. He's a teacher at the university, and he got his uh, degree from the Royal University. Um, but, he, yeah, he acknowledges that the people around him have... Uh, um, says it in, in, a, in, a, in a specific way that their level of culture differed from him. Yeah, I got it right here. The indelicate, like the indelicate clacking of the men's heels and the shuffling of their souls reminded him that their grade of culture differed from his. Right. And he's worried that the when he quotes Robert... way of saying that. <laughs> he's worried that when he quotes Robert Browning, it will be above the heads of his heroes. <laughs> yeah, who isn't like an especially... I mean, he's not like an especially obscure, obscurist poet. It's not like Mallarmé or somebody who, uh, not only would that be a little bit uh, yeah. more affected to exotic in, 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 in Ireland, but yeah, like Robert Browning isn't, you know, thunderously obvious, but he's not like the most, like, yeah, the most coy writer. He's mentioned wow. Robert Browning twice now. Remember in, I guess it was The Little Cloud, right? Where the guy would like to read Robert Browning. Mm. Anyway. Yeah, although uh, he reads, I remember exactly Byron at the end of that. Okay. Um, I may be wrong then. So they welcome Gabriel very uh, ebulently because they're so happy that he's there. And he's their favorite yeah. nephew. I know some of that's relief. Yeah. Yeah, this is a pretty. I would say the story is kind of funny. You know, a lot of the, um, a lot of yeah. the moments in the story are pretty funny. If you're reading it and it's called The Dead and you're expecting it to be about a funeral, it's not. You know, well, because I had never read it before, um, so the tone did kind of take me by surprise about how jovial and um, warm it felt. Most of the of the story. <laughs> Um, you know, he has to give a speech, and he's worried about that. That's one of the reasons he's thinking about the Robert Browning quote. A little toast. <laughs> right, so, um, yeah, it seems like a really inconsequential thing. <laughs> like, I remember the first time I was reading, I thought it was like, is he talking about some other speech? You know, that's a good point. This speech? Because <laughs> you try to get a handle like, when you're reading it. He wrote notes beforehand for, like, a toast? You're, Basically, you're trying like to figure out what this is. 300-word you know, toast. The event. It, yeah, you, you kind of get the sense at the beginning that you get an inflated sense of its importance. Maybe, like you were saying, right. he likes to set us up. Um, Joyce likes to mm. set us up like that. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Because... Uh, and, and just that he's anxious and, and um, yeah. kind of diffident. He... he yeah. Well, the speech is very... important to him. The speech is very well this spoken. Party. Of all parties, the speech was impressive. Oh, yeah, I do thought. you want to jump or? I don't know. I I, I, yeah. I don't know where 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 a good place would be to land going forward here in the story. Um, um, I guess one 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 thing to talk about, like kind of how Gabriel, like I feel like we have like a very um, specific uh, idea of Gabriel, but like he doesn't really land on either side of like like the 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 argument with. 
Miss Ivers, who is more of a propagandist, more of an Irish nationalist, uh, where she discovers that he writes for like a kind of unionist-ish paper, union being, you know, uh, union with Britain. Um, and yeah, there's like that back and forth. Don't you, yeah, you know, sorry, he's talking about like that. taking a trip to France and Belgium and or, or, or Germany to keep up with the languages. And, he's, and she's like talking about a trip to Ireland and why don't you keep up with your language? Yeah. Um, so let's make yeah, clear they were in a dance. But, but he's not, but he, he, I mean, he's not like an outright unionist. He's not like a, you know, a West Breton. He's not exactly... Right. Uh, for the you know, the well, Caribbeans of Ireland. A couple things to that point. So they're uh, they're in, kind of in the middle. So they're in a dance, and she brings mm-hmm. up the fact that she knows that he writes for this paper. Yeah, he, he writes literary really literary reviews, and right. he he has this conversation with himself about how annoyed he is that she would bring this up, and you know he knows in his head that I guess this would be like. You know, I guess it would be like if you're at a, a party with, with, with Democrats and you write for Fox News or something. You know, he knows that it's sort of off-putting to the people who are pro-Irish, I would say. Um, but he ends up saying he saw nothing political in the writing reviews of books. Um, right, as opposed to a more, like, abrupt... Um, he was, right. He wanted to, like, talk in a more absolutist way about, the, you know, literature being... Uh, literature was above politics, is what he wanted to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he goes for the, you know, gray, pale version of that. That he saw nothing political in writing reviews of books. Yeah. It's kind of typical. This could, this does sort of exasperate him, though, to say a couple of things where he, mm-hmm. he says, if it comes to that, you know, Irish is not my language. And then he says, yeah, to tell you the as truth. Far as he goes. To tell you the truth, I'm sick of my own country, sick of it. Yeah. And he can't answer why. Um, He's probably sick of yeah. the patriotism, right? This is what he more what he meant. Um, I mean, a lot of, a lot of, well, I mean, in this, he's looking at her, he is sick of, <laughs> yeah. He is, he is sick of the nationalists, at least they're a nationalist. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, and yeah, one can imagine there's another reference to like how when when the conversation about galoshes, everyone wears galoshes on the continent. Yeah, um, someone might uh, pine for the continent if he was, you know, <clears throat> uh, yeah, of a grade of culture that differed from some of the Irish people around him. You know, um, but then that's that. That's not. I'm going to move to Rome. That's I'm going to take a bike trip in Belgium. You know, right, right. He's definitely Irish, but he has a, a broader sense of what it means to live in the world because he's more educated, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and it's hard for him to reconcile that with with putting up with this nonsense, silly little concert. Because uh, he, he brings up a lot about the older generations and how they were they're hospitable, you know, and how different that is yeah. between that and the the hyper serious generation. And a person who's also of his ilk. generation, yeah, of his ilk. is like they had like that parallel track after school and then teaching. Well, yeah, and he's um, he's educated too. Yeah, he's also as hyper educated as anyone else. 
But yeah. he sees that kind of as a dig to Miss Ivers. I guess he's longing for an older Ireland that he remembers where it was less, maybe less nationalist and more um, straightforward. Well, it certainly wasn't less nationalist. But, well, what would um, you say then? I mean, it's what is he pining partially for? ignorant nostalgia of yeah. any kind of nostalgia mm-hmm. <laughs> where, you know, you forget. He calls it like more spacious. Um, yeah, he said, that uh, was, the, the, I thought that the was. Older Irish. That was a really that was a really interesting way to put it. It was more spa- the days were more yeah. spacious. <laughs> um, which he might even be. I mean, especially because he's referencing you know like singers that he had never himself heard and that he was barely listening to being mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's not like some you know hard memory of his that he he wants to go back to, and like you know. What if we did literally this? Um, that's yeah, it's just kind of like a soft nostalgia for the way things might have been, but probably weren't as much of nostalgia is. Um, in this case, large, not just partially ignorant nostalgia, where you forget the bad things about the past. But he doesn't. I mean, he's kind of talking about a past that he doesn't really know. <laughs> he's talking True. about those figures. Um, but it's weird because yeah. he wants. He wants the the present. It seems that he would prefer the present, which would offer him more opportunity to, um, you know, to to be able to go engage other parts of the world and other cultures. I would assume. I mean, I guess I'm making assumptions. Well, yeah, I, it's just kind it's of not like a rigorous stance. I mean, that's that, that, that's just kind of like a. Mm. I mean, like he says, do you he think characterizes he's, himself as like a sentimentalist? Or do you think it's an ode, though? Like do you think sentimentalist? Do you think this is the influence of his aunts more than his point of view? Like he's um, defending I mean, them. That was it. Grew out of yeah. Of um, he wanted to get his dig in on Miss Ivers, who isn't even there. <laughs> Which again, that's another diverted story point um, where he plans to put a dig of, at her, a very veiled dig at her, into his speech. And then she leaves beforehand. Uh, so, I mean, he still has it as, like, kind of in his speech. Um, so, yeah. To, uh, I mean, yeah, some of that's just, like, reactive. Okay. I think. So let's... There's some religion in here, too, as well as Irish nationalism. Our, yeah. Another friendly guy at the party, Mr. Brown, is a Protestant. So some, a couple times religion comes up. And it comes up. And uh, <laughs> I guess he's kind of, he's amused that that uh, that Auntie Kate is questioning the Pope's decision to replace right. old women in the choir with little boys. I thought that was kind of funny. And, uh, right, because uh, Catholics have to be much more unified. Even today, if I talk to Catholics, uh, they have to be much more unified in and amongst themselves. They... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, talk about their religion in a much more critical way than they allow themselves to talk about it amongst the non-believers, amongst the <laughs> non-brethren. Yeah, because it came, it came off like you were questioning what the Pope would say, and she says, "Oh, I don't right. question the Pope being right. I'm only a stupid old woman, <laughs> and I would presume to, yeah. I wouldn't presume to do such a thing." Um, okay, so going along, they have a concert, and the older aunt 
Aunt Jane. Yeah, this is this is kind of like the uh, what I was saying about like that kind of maybe last time talking about a mother or talking about mother uh, about like that just like general culture of like music mm-hmm, in exactly, Ireland, exactly. Where like Barzell Darcy. Um, he's not like a professional singer or something, but he does have like a reputation that precedes him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's kind of like a general, just like everyone's like a little bit concerned with music. Well, and I was going to say, you know, this is kind of maybe an ignorant way to look at it, but seeing older movies set in times before television, you know, that was a oh, bigger yeah. deal. <laughs> that was a bigger deal when you were traveling around, I guess, you know, to have entertainment. And I mean, you had to, you know come up with something to do yeah so but it did remind me of our discussion last week about how james joyce was a a singer of sorts and he would um Mm -hmm. compete right because they do take it seriously you know the people irish is like a more sonorous language Mm. and um i could see where as opposed to like i mean painting with huge huge brushes the like practical small-minded british always just like taking things over and making money uh, would be looking at the Irish and being like, oh, they're just hanging around singing all the time. <laughs> um, just having fun and That's letting true, us conquer though. them. It's true. When you listen to an Irish person talk, it is much more lyrical than a normal, uh, than a typical oh, yeah. uh, American. That's, that's anyway. one thing that bothers me about uh, English, that like it took over and uh, wiped out the other languages. other languages that are like way better. Like if you've heard somebody talk Welsh, I was or gonna say like actual Scottish or or Irish, they're all just like much cooler languages. <laughs> I, I I might be like connecting, making too neat of a thing out of it, but yeah, the the practical, ugly English um, kind of like aligns in my head with the, yeah. you know the kind of like overly yeah. useful British. Uh, people that would yeah then be taking over these you know well maybe it's a preference but and w'd and wide languages like the welsh right um, if you think of the the yeah. actors that came out of welsh and ireland or um wales and ireland like richard burton and anthony hopkins who's mm. still around they were both welsh and then peter o'toole was irish right. um and, you know, th- when I think of the British actors who do Shakespeare, and it's no offense to them, because I guess maybe it could be a preference, but it does come off as, like you said, practical almost, but uh, not, not lyrical, you know, not beautiful when they mm-hmm. speak the, um, the stanzas. Yeah. Okay. But, I mean, the, the, the languages themselves are just so much cooler mm. than stupid English. Yeah, I know. It's, it's really fun to listen to them talk, if you, if you can hear that. Right. Um, okay, so... Or look up, like, uh, Welsh versions of songs that you know. Like, I heard the Welsh version of one of the Frozen songs, which I didn't know in English, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just, like, an incredible language. Um, all right. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Not my language. <laughs> yeah, we don't speak that language. Anyway, um, okay, so... Uh, I wanted to say that the older the older aunt Aunt Julia she gives us a song, and that's when his mind wanders. Everybody seems to be really enjoying Aunt Julia singing, and it's kind of like I guess you would say the end of the concert before the supper they have. 
Um, but his mind wanders. Yeah, she's like really controlled. and uh, I mean, his mind wanders all the time. Yeah, but I like that about uh, it. You know, that, yeah. that's such an interesting... Uh, yeah, I, we get the first blushes of what is going to come with that like stream of conscious writing. And not just uh, stream of conscious as a technique, but a kind of like absent-mindedness that will invade a lot of something James Wood talked about a lot in uh, a few essays about like Virginia Woolf and Chekhov, um, where like there's a kind of absent-mindedness where we get to like in... in um, to the lighthouse where the first like 20 something pages are just her mind wandering um, <laughs> while she's supposed to be like sitting for a picture uh, sitting for a painting does that um, does that set you up in a way that that doesn't feel absent-minded before she goes into it or no you know what i mean because here um, you're set up to listen to this old lady sing and it's right kinda... so yeah after like page 20 or something she's like oh yeah shit i'm supposed to be doing something <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's it, it's 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 um in that case specifically um it's been a little bit it's been a couple of years since i read to the lighthouse the last time but yeah um in that case specifically i don't think that there's any mention of the fact she's supposed to be doing something until she does she remembers it um, so it's kind of at the end, like, oh, I should be sitting up and sitting for this picture or something. Um, but yeah, here, okay. this is like a, a little bit before the, um, yeah, uh, a little bit before Joyce will, uh, uh, develop that kind of tendency towards, towards, or, 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 or that willingness. I think it's. I think it's also just like a willingness, um, and, and, and it, 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 it's it's hard to pull off well of depicting that kind of mind wandering. Yeah, it um, is. But we'll get it in full force with Leopold Bloom wandering about the city in his mind. It makes you feel more personal. It makes you feel more um, intimate, I should mm-hmm. say, with the character, and you don't judge him as easily, you know, yeah, because definitely. you're inside of his mind and. It's it's not black or white, like well, th- with this character yeah. about where he is in life and yeah. what he feels and thinks and everything. Um, yeah. All right, so they, they're they're gonna have this supper and, and they ask him to cut the the goose, which is a right. big deal. The, the the supper I thought was an, was an interesting example because like the first paragraph of that is almost like just sheer like description of like things on a table oh um, yeah i noticed that back. too it makes your mind kind of forget so where much. you are it's a lot <laughs> right um speaking of james wood that actually reminds me of another thing he said about flaubert how flaubert who was uh who, whom joyce admired um in a, in, in a certain way um and certainly who's writing joyce uh that justice um, that Flaubert had kind of invented this, this simultaneously a hard aestheticism and a, and a soft aestheticism of like the, the like, uh, primacy of just like style, the aestheticization of style, um, where, yeah, he was a rigorous stylist, um, and could write a book about or dreamed of writing a book about nothing, um, that was just, perfectly crafted sentences hmm. while also Flaubert, you know, um, 
his his books are like these 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 wealths of just like uh, details, just like the silence of fact, if I remember correctly, is what James Wood called it. Hmm. Um, just like a running through so that uh, kind kind of like like the the yeah a, a, a kind of duality that that, that 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 he kind of existed in both sides of. Uh, here, I think, yeah, this is a good a good example of James Joyce kind of existing on that uh, uh, both sides of that duality too. Uh, yeah, there, there, it's a, it's impossible to say that James Joyce is not like uh, very conscious stylist and is yeah even even here before you know Ulysses and Finnegan's Wake and those huge experiments in style. Yeah, obviously he's a very rigorous stylist and. The, the primacy of that um, throughout his whole career. There's nothing left to chance. Or just uh, he's he's always you know uh, climbing those mountains of 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 yeah, just just like the perfect sentence. And stuff. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, but also just like the, the 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 just like the hard facts of there's uh, all these different kinds of jams and a large green leaf-shaped dish with a stalk-shaped handle on which lay bunches of purple raisins and peeled almonds, a companion dish on which lay this, like, huge sentence, which takes a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I think it's from, in my copy, it's something like 15 lines um, of just, yeah, different puddings and different saucers with different things on them. Um, yeah, this is, this is, yeah, that, this is where I would, I would locate that one side of that, of that equate, of, of, of that duality of just, just the, the long list of details. Yeah, my mind, my mind definitely wandered at that yeah. moment. I might have put the book Especially down. Especially because I don't know what Smyrna figs are and <laughs> some of this stuff. What the fuck is an American apple? <laughs> is that just an apple? <laughs> Well, and it it brings me back to when we discussed that he was so um, obsessed with getting all the details right about Ireland when he wrote, mm-hmm. you know, that yeah. he have his brother tell him the exact places where the streets were and everything. Right. Okay. And he's so proud of, like, knowing exactly which stores came after which. Mm-hmm. Um, almost like the, the reportorial style of writing, while also being, you know... Uh, one of the chief stylists of uh, English literature of all time. Right, and you would say... One of his generation. For someone who I haven't read him as much as you, but I would... Like you said, how he's climbing the mountain of perfect sentences here. It's almost like he got mm. bored with doing that because he was so good at it, and I'm certain he knew how good he was. You know? Well, yeah, I think we'll, we'll definitely talk about this, you know, as we, as we go on, definitely when we get into Finnegan's Wake. Yeah. But yeah. Um, there, there, there's a sense of like him just like, okay, I've done that. Let me do something totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done picture, a portrait of the artist as a young man. Let me do like challenge myself with something totally different. And then I have done, you know, the stream of conscious. Why don't I, I've done the stream of conscious in Ulysses. Why don't I do stream of the unconscious in Finnegan's Wake? Um, so yeah, that, that 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 is something that made it almost like physically impossible for him to repeat himself. Is that he had like yeah just done it. He had finished it. He had completed it. Um, he had done all that he had to do in Ulysses and all that he had 
to do and, and, and or all that he wanted to do in Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man, so he physically couldn't repeat himself. Viscerally, he couldn't repeat himself. Um, do you, do we have do I have permission to go to where Gabriel is about to leave? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. I don't think I had anything else. Um, yeah, I don't want to miss anything, but I also want to focus on the ending and not run out of time here. Yeah, are you um, going to talk about uh, Darcy's singing? Yes. So Gabriel, Gabriel, yeah. people are loitering about the the bottom of the stairwell, and most people have left. Mm-hmm. And there are a few uh, stragglers, for example, Gabriel, which makes sense since he's related mm-hmm. to the two old ladies. Uh, so yeah. he he hears he hears. Well, anyway, he walks over to the stairwell. And he knows his wife is upstairs with a couple other people, and he sees her standing there. And there's this really interesting uh, section where he's yeah. watching his wife stand there, listen to someone sing a sad song. Do you want to read some of that? He's so moved. Yeah, I'm getting to there. Okay. Um, because yeah, of course, these are uh, lines I had bracketed off. Um, Gabriel had not gone to the. Part of the hall, gazing up at the staircase, a woman was standing. A woman was standing near the top of the first flight in the shadow. Also, he could not see her face. I'm going to skip down a little bit. Oh, it was his wife. She was leaning on the banisters, listening to something. Gabriel was surprised at her stillness and strained his ear to listen. Also, going to skip down a little bit. He stood still in the gloom in the hall, trying to catch the air that the voice was singing and gazing up at his wife. There was grace and mystery in her attitude as if she were a symbol of something he asked himself what is what what is a woman standing on the stairs in the shadow listening to distant music a symbol of if he were a painter he would paint her in that attitude uh her, her blue felt hat would show off the bronze of her hair against the darkness and the dark panels of her skirt would show off the light ones distant music he would call the picture if, it, if he were a painter yeah, um, and he's he's very moved by this. Yeah, um, he has like a yeah. What, 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 um, what, what, what did you want to say? I, I, I a couple of things that like uh, as if she were a symbol of something. I have underlined. Yeah, and that kind of abstracted. If I were a painter, yeah, what, what, how would I present this? Kind of like um, in a little cloud, right? Right. When he wants to be a poet, over overemphasized. If I were a poet, I would write about this moment. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and so we to make it clear, he can't hear the singing at this point. So he's moved right. by the the image of his wife standing there in the darkness, listening to the music. Yeah. Um, the music he finally right. can hear when the door is closed, and it, ex- it, it it's described uh, like this. The front door. Yeah, the front door is closed. The voice, made plaintive by distance and by the singer's hoarseness, faintly illuminated the cadence of the air with words expressing grief. And then this, the lines are about yeah. someone who's dead in, in the ground. And... Yeah. Anyway, this isn't really relevant to, to the experience that Gabriel's having. He kind of like, oh, it's a beautiful, sad song. Yeah, he's... Yeah, but, he's. Um, if anything, there's like a like a kind of joy to, or I guess I'm right, right. He's focused on the experience, um, thinking about his wife, just seeing his wife being beautiful or as beautiful as she 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 is at that <clears> age. Um, yeah, and he yeah. goes into a sort of internal reverie about their relationship and the moments he calls them the secret, mm-hmm. you know, the secrecy of their personal life I, right. I, I need to find the exact line no one else would have would even know about um 
Yeah. Yeah, just, just, and here we get especially close to like almost stream of conscious style. Um, where it's just like suddenly he's back in like their honeymoon mm-hmm. or suddenly he's like, uh, looking at the first letter he, he sent her, stuff like that. Um, a heliotrope envelope was lying at <laughs> his breakfast cup and he was caressing it with his hands. Birds were twittering in the ivory and sunny. You know, the curtain one, of the weird, along the one, of, one of the weird things about life that I think about sometimes, and it comes up because people will tell me about memories they have of me and how they think of me, you know. And in life, yeah. people have different memories of the same relationship. You know, you'll, you'll be friends with someone right. and you'll remember different things than they do. And you'll, they'll totally forget yeah. things that you remember as eternal definitions of who the person is. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's bizarre, yeah. it's strange to think about. So that's what that reminds me of. Um, yeah, he's, he's, oh, yeah. he's, he's... There's a lot. I was going to say he's joyful and tender. You brought up the joy. Even, even though... Yeah. Even though he's, he's explaining to himself about how dull their existence together has right. been. Well, he said, yeah, he, he, he says, you know, there has been like a dull existence or many moments years of dullness but yeah because uh, there you know apparently had been some moments of yeah I mean as we, as we kind of yeah, narrated it to us um, <clears throat> some moments of more pure ecstasy mm. yeah and so okay so he's living inside his head the wife isn't really talking I think he can tell that she right. is a bit uh, annoyed, or she, he thinks that she's annoyed at something, so his her mood is not normal. Um, we have eight minutes here, so... Oh, shit. Yeah, le- well, we can probably, we can just add on another another section, too, if we need to, but, um... Yeah. Yeah, okay, let's do that. Let's just talk naturally about there, it. There, there, are a couple, there are a couple, like, mentions, just to, um... It's snowing, and there are a couple of times where they say things along the lines of it's snowing all over Ireland or the snow is general over all of Ireland. Yeah. Um, I just want to put a pin in that because that'll come back at the end. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she's feeling. So, yeah, just put a pin in that. And then back to Gabriel and her. Because there's, there's, a, there's a point near the end of the story where... Um, yeah, uh, there, there'll be like a moment where they are yeah, getting into the car or getting out of the car or something. And instead of reintroducing, just like using the, you know, like a, like a, like a, you know, worse author just normally would say, uh, a prosperous new, new year to you, sir, the same to you, said Gabriel cordially and they get out of the car. She leaned for a moment on his arm and getting out of the cab. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a kind of, uh, unusual use of just the pronoun, uh, a few places, um, when they're in the hotel and when she's getting out of the car and stuff. Um, yeah, I just wanted to note that that's an interesting, very specific choice of, of Joyce's. Cause like I said, the, the kind of default would be Greta put her arm on him and leaned on him lightly or whatever it was. Um, hey Nash, one second. My Alexa is going off. She, because she's. One second, Alexa, stop. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. So yeah, yeah, we're we're. I, I think because we're like interrupted. Every like interaction is like interrupting um, 
in Gabriel thinking about her. Mm. Um, yeah, we don't need to reintroduce Greta. No. Um, well, it's just she. You you were her. saying that every say that again. Oh, I didn't. I'm not sure I caught the significance of what you so, meant. Was I was just saying that like 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 near the end of the story for me like the last five pages or six pages. Um, it's just like 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 he he Joyce weirdly doesn't use Greta as much as just she. He'll just um, oh. in, in, in situations where you would assume that he would say like like they're getting out of the car. There's there's some kind of like change of location or some kind of um, change of like setting. Uh, maybe not exactly the location, but they'll be like coming from the car outside to the hotel or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of saying Greta, uh, he'll say she. Uh, gotcha, because gotcha, again, gotcha. we're 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 paused out of for a second his thinking about her anyway. So he he is thinking about her and their relationship and yeah. builds himself up into a, a desire to take her and seize a her, lust. A literally a, yeah. a lust to seize her, master her, and only the stress of his nails against the palms of his hand held the wild impulse of his body in check. Right. So we expect maybe some crazy sex scene coming forward, but we don't get that. Yes, yeah. Um, so they go into the the hotel. Oh, sorry, the hotel room. Um, and yeah, he's like uh, anxious to just fuck he's anxious and she's like but he, he doesn't want to like take her wants her to you know he wants her to want it also right but something's um, off so eventually she makes uh yeah so she's like being distant and kind of you know uh uh speaking of the uh that that that, that browning thing that he had said about browning and then readapts into his speech like thought tortured um or thought tormented age um, just as he said, the Browning created like a thought tormented music. And then he uses that phrase in his speech, um, in a totally different context. Um, yeah. Speaking of thought tormented, yeah, she's very thought tormented at this point. Um, and gives him like a, yeah. So like, like, what does he, what does she do? Um, she like caresses his hand or something. He caresses her hand, and she isn't responsive. But he yeah. continues to to caress her hand. Oh, oh. Um, well, he does. She does suddenly kiss him. Yeah, because he tells he tells a story about how he let yeah. that dude borrow some right. money, and she says how sweet it is. And she like thoughtlessly is like, "Yeah, that's nice," and kisses him on the cheek. <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. like totally. Uh, for for Gabriel, he's like, "Yeah, it's gonna happen." Um, we're about to smush, and for her, it's just it's just a different thing is going on right now. They were, yeah, they're in the end. room, okay, and he's in this fit of passion. She is distant, all right. So yeah. let's talk about why, because it's a pretty deep reason here. Um, for the ending, yeah. Whoo! You wonder why it's called the dead? Well, we're about to tell you. She drinks poison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something totally else happens. She uh, breaks into yeah. an outburst of tears when he asks her what right. the matter. What's the matter? 
And you know what I was thinking was he thought she was annoyed at him for the way he spoke to her at the party because he was kind of moody a bit. And I was wondering yeah. if he, maybe that's what went through his mind because she was acting kind of off. Uh, um, so he finally yeah. comes out and says what's wrong and she starts crying and says, I was thinking about that song, The Last of Augurim, which was the song the guy was, was playing when she was standing on the stairwell. Yeah. She runs loose from she him and a and, whole different story this whole time. Yep, living a whole different yeah, a whole different thing. Runs to the bed and throws her arm across the bed rail and hit her face. He was astonished. I'm I'm summarizing there. Um yeah. and he's like, What about the song? What the what makes you cry? And yeah. it turns out someone she used to know sang that song sometimes. In Galloway in the country, Michael Furry. Mm, Michael. Um, Michael. A gentle boy <clears throat> they would go on walks with. You know how people go on walks in the country. Um, I fell in love with this like, Michael guy, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gabriel's trying to be stanky and, like, ironic about it. And, oh, you were in love with him or whatever? <laughs> boy, does he get defeated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's like... Well, uh, so I was leaving. Yeah, so go ahead. <laughs> well, you know, I hate it. Just it's a hard. It's hard to say it as good as 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 Greta does. She talks about how yeah. she used to know this guy went on walks with him, and he was a little bit sick. Yeah. And he ended up dying. Okay. And he goes and He's like, oh, died of consumption. <laughs> oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no. He asked, "Does what did he die of consumption?" And she said, "I think he died for me." And a vague terror seized Gabriel at this answer. And yeah, that, I mean, that was a strong line. I think he died for me. Yeah. Um, so it turns out that she was leaving to go to convent school and he was sick. Um, but the night before she left, she heard somebody throwing gravel at her window. She came down. It was like a rainy night. Um, but yeah, nevertheless, he was still... And cold. Uh, ...in her garden, in the cold. Um she like tried to yell at him that you know uh go back um you'll get sick and he's like i don't want to live because uh, she's leaving and just, hmm. yeah um what i love about the way he writes this is is gabriel as we know from having lived in his head most of the story is all worked up you know and she, you can tell how sincere Greta is because she doesn't notice that. She's like yeah. she's like someone, if you've been in a, a situation that's a tragedy or a very serious event, um, she's acting like that, you know, very stoically explaining yeah. what's in her mind without even just just saying it straight out, you know. And he's sitting there like, oh, my God, not she's not she's not thinking about the oh, impact shit. it's having on other people because she's so deeply involved yeah. in what it means to her. And she can still, so yeah, uh, he, so yes, yeah, she went to school and a week later found out that he had died. And she says, to cap off the story, I employed, I implored him to go, but, um, I implored him to go at once and told him he would get his death in the rain, but he said he did not want to live. I can see his eyes as well, as well. You're standing at the end of the wall where there was a tree. Um, but yeah, so she, he, she can still, still, uh, see his, his, the way he looked however many, 23, 24 years ago or something. 
and she starts that sobbing. Was this great love of of of, of her existence, like this, this tumultuously, mm-hmm. um, yeah, this tumultuous love of her of, of her life. Michael. All right, so let's talk I about the impact right. on Gabriel. He is yeah, is awake page and a half. while she's asleep, and he's looking out the window thinking about it. All right, so yeah. this line I underlined, it hardly pained him now to think how poor a part mm-hmm. he, her husband, had played in her life. And he kind of yeah. creepily watches her I like the line sleep. before that, too. So she had had that romance in her life. A man had died for her sake. It hardly pained him now to think how poor a part he, her husband, had played in her life. Oof. And he goes on to talk about how he imagined that she was beautiful, and he did not like to say, even yeah. to himself, that her face was no longer beautiful. Right. The snow continues to go down to, to to rap at the windows, or he hears a rap at the windows and notices it's still snowing. On general, over all of England, all of Ireland, Jesus. Um, yes, the snow paper, the newspapers were right. Snow was general over all, all over Ireland, and it is like this journey westward. It's falling on every part of the dark central plain, on the hillless trees, falling softly upon the bog of Allen, and further westward, softly falling into the dark, mutinous Shannon wave. It was falling, too, upon every part of the lonely churchyard on the hill where Michael Furry lay buried. It lay thickly drifted on the sorry, uh, crook crosses and headstones, on the spears of the little gate, on the barren thorns. His soul swooned slowly as he heard the snow falling faintly. His soul swooned so slowly as he heard the snow falling faintly through the universe and faintly falling like the descent of their last end upon all the living and the dead. Mm. Wow, what a speaking of like perfectly little perfect little sentence that his soul swooned so slowly. It's hard to read, but also um yeah, uh Yeah. Yeah. A bit above that. It's so perfect. A bit above that, I underline where he said, well, generous tears filled Gabriel's eyes. He had never Mm. felt like that himself towards any woman, but he knew that such a feeling must be love. That was really sad to to read. Yeah. For a 40-year-old man who's probably not going to have a chance (laughs) to experience that now, certainly. Um, I like, uh, you know, the ending. I'm sure that's a famous ending. Um, yes. Because it's so perfect. Falling, safely falling, and all the living and all the dead. Um, yeah. He had he had thought also about how his Aunt Julia is going to die soon. You know, he... Right. So, yeah, there's, there's, very there's, real there's, yeah he's kind of, like, establishing, like, the porousness. So there's the dead... And the almost dead, and so yeah, he's introducing there's the almost dead, and then it's just a treadmill. It's just a you know, uh, just like a factory thing where we're all eventually going to be shut off, <laughs> shuttled off at the end. Yeah, it was it was not what I expected based on the title, which which I know that's sort of a feature of this book, actually. You know, I mean, yeah. so. I, I don't know what I expected. I definitely thought it would be more, um, more stark, more, 
more deadly, <laughs> you know, more mm-hmm. in your face than it was. Yes. But very well, I mean, slow the first time landing. I had read it, I, I, I had very, I had like no expectations. Yeah. Um, and I remember being just like bowled over. Yeah, Even, it's like it's know, a very slow like landing. A fifteen year old or something, uh, as a fourteen year old or something reading mm. and having like even less of a conception of uh, right. mortality. Yeah, it was still oh shit, snow falling on all the living and the dead. And there you are. Do you have any other insights yeah. about the story that would be more I personal? Think that's it. Okay, more personal to Joyce, I meant to say. Okay. Oh, um, not really. I don't think. I mean, um, yeah, I was scanning uh, Richard Alman, and uh, I mean, this isn't as you know, it's not going to be as like controversial to publishing. Um, as some of the other ones. Yeah, you know, like you said, it was mild about every... Like, all the aspects were melted into the story. You had nationalism and yeah. you had religion and you I had... mean, speaking... You, you, yeah, you mentioned that they're actually, like, socializing with Protestants mm-hmm. as opposed to, like, I had never met a Protestant and there was a nice one on the train or something. <laughs> or, yeah, they're... Yeah, yeah he's not, he's not making fun of the simple people. You know, he's sort of... No. Praising them almost in this story, or you know, it's a moderate. Yeah, it's it's a view. Yeah, I anyway, it's, it's a melded. It's more mild. Yeah, it's a mild. It's mild. That's what I was looking for. Everything's melded into this yeah. mild story that that ends with snow. So very good. 